Monday, everybody. Welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I am Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Scott is not with us. He's on family vacation. But I have a great guest filling in for him. You can follow the podcast at Couchside Judges. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen. And as always, we talk judging and MMA. So make sure you're brushed up on that criteria. I think I hit everything there. So, without further ado, our great special co-host, the one and only Spencer Kite. Spencer, welcome to the Couchside Judges. Thanks, man. I was going to do the full-on, and I'm me, Spencer Kite. You can follow me at Spencer Kite. I know how this show Oh, thank you. I know how things go. We could have let you do that. I listen. I subscribe. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I guess uh, I have to do this. I didn't put this in there. It's definitely not my wording, but uh, we want to pay homage to Scott Fontana, the wise, wonderful, and bewilderingly (laughs) handsome. Scott Fontana. That is not my vocabulary. I mean, he is a wise and wonderful man. I don't know about bewilderingly handsome. He's a good looking fella. I don't know if I would go bewilderingly, but he's a good looking man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Scott's on vacation with his family. Spencer's filling in. Thanks to him for that. Last night, UFC Vegas 78. Can't believe there's there's 78 of these things still. Um, Started out like we might not have a show. Started out like we may not have a show. Six straight finishes, I think, right? Six straight in the seven. first round. Seven. All, pre- all seven of the prelims, six of them in the first round. Seemed wow. like we may not even have scorecards. That's, it was heading that way. And then, you know, thanks to Tony Weeks, he got, he got us on the board. Um, Luke and RDA was pretty good. What do you, how do you think we book Luke going forward? So he's in a, to me, he's in a bit of a tricky, and the UFC, UFC is in a bit of a tricky spot with him. So he came into Saturday's fight, ranked number 10, hadn't fought in a year coming off um a couple of losses goes out beats rda it's a good win kind of a little more measured a little more tactical he talked in his post fight about being a little afraid to to get hit early and and i think he has tapered down the aggression a little bit after last year so the reason he was out for a year is vicente luque had a brain bleed following his fight with jeff neal and so i think he has dialed back some of the I'm just happy to go out there and sling hammers with some other dude Mm -hmm. and see what happens. I think that makes him a more interesting fighter to me, actually, because he does have that terrific grappling game that we see. And it's, it's such an opportunistic grappling repertoire. Like the Mike Chiesa win always just rings out to me because Chiesa was in great spots, made one mistake and we were done. And so to me, Saturday feels a little bit like a, maybe a little bit of a passing of the torch like RDA for the longest time has been one of those. This is the guy you've got to beat to get moving forward, Hmm. whether it's at lightweight or whether it's at welterweight. I think maybe that's Vicente Luque now, like Neil Magny still holds that role a little bit. He's got a fight coming up in Boston against Ian Machado Gary, but like I would put Luque in that kind of role dangerous everywhere can crack. If you're dumb enough to stand in there and sling with him Mm -hmm. without, without having good defense can sub you out if you leave your neck exposed, but isn't a guy that is going to beat every single up and comer and turn them back to where it's like, and now we have no new contenders. It's not like <laughs> the Robert Whitaker thing at middleweight for the longest time. And yeah. so for me, I would, I would look at two names. I look at Sean Brady when he gets healthy and comes back. And I look at Kevin Holland because Kevin Holland just continues to need tests. And Vicente Luque feels like the right kind of dude to force Kevin Holland to not be Kevin Holland. Yeah, I like those two matchups. Sean Brady was the one that jumped out to me. I, I thought that that'd be a good uh, 
good test for him there, especially in the grappling realm. Should that that would be a, a very fun fight, I think. Yeah, Brady's an insane grappler. Like we haven't really seen it in the UFC. He's wrestled a little bit, but he hasn't just sold out to grapple. Like you talk to anybody from that gym, the Daniel Gracie crew and them, mm-hmm. and they just like rave about listen bro sean brady is world class Mm -hmm. and i'll be really interested to see when he comes back whether we see more of that whether we see him decide listen i need to get into this grappling a little more because hasn't really been working that that great on the feet lately like they're always relatively close fights and when he's been at his best to me is still the jake matthews win okay yeah where where he wrestled and grappled and and choked him out like get into it you're a little bit undersized for welterweight Go out there and grapple a little bit, son. Yeah. Wouldn't 165 be beautiful? I mean, they're just like even RDA, right? Like I understand not wanting to cut to 55 anymore makes a whole lot of sense, but you're just a li- little bit undersized for 170. And and that on Saturday to me was, was the difference, right? Just Luke mm-hmm. being able to be a little yep. bit more physical, a little bit stronger, move him around a little bit easier. There's sometimes that that 65 just feels like we should really just go to 55, 65, yeah. 75, 85, 95, 205, throw something in there at about 225, and then heavyweight yeah. above that. <laughs> I'm down to get rid of 265. Uh, I don't know. If Fair enough. Not everybody else is, but so let uh, real quick the unit uni- unanimity report. Uh, we had two events this week. We had Bellator and we had UFC. Bellator was in South Dakota. They put up uh, 25 of 34 rounds were unanimous. There were no 8-9 splits for a 73.5% unanimity rating. It's about average. Uh, the UFC, on the other hand, didn't have that many rounds because of all the early stoppages uh, in the first round. 7 of 17 were unanimous. Two of them were 8-9 splits for a 41.2% unanimity rating, which is uh, on the lower side that we're typically used to seeing. So why don't we dive into these rounds? We'll figure we'll start with uh, Swanson and Dawadu. It seemed they got the most heat on social media. Yeah. I, I saw, I saw you posted every, every, you know, everyone calls it a close fight until the scorecards are <laughs> like ready. It, and then it's a robbery. It, it's just hilarious to me, right? Like we, uh, the round ends, everybody floods to Twitter and does it like, Ooh, close round. Not sure who got that one could go either way. And then, when the fight goes to that situation where it could go either way and it goes against the guy that they were rooting for, it's like, how could these judges, <laughs> it's oh. like, how, how does that work? I I just don't get it. And like shouts to Phil Murphy. I understand exactly what Philly was saying about, you know, you look at a round and we'll talk about it here that most everybody agrees was a Hakeem Dawadu round and it gets scored for Cub Swanson. And so let's get some transparency. Let's get some, stuff you guys talk about all the time, rightfully so. But like at the end of the day, if that round is scored air quotes correctly, then it's a split decision win for Hakeem Dawadu yeah. and the outcome still stays it's like, or it's a split decision win for Cub Swanson and the outcome stays the same. So like the outrage of how did Cub win that is still going to be there. So I get what <laughs> Philly was saying, but at the same time, it's like, we all need to just settle the hell down. <laughs> Uh, so we got two rounds from this fight, rounds one and round two. Why don't we dive into round one? How'd you have this one, Spencer? So I had it 10-9 for Swanson. Admittedly, a cl- like this whole fight to me was a was a close competitive fight. And the difference maker for me in round one was that early triple jab right hand. Because mm-hmm. it was the one that really sort of sings out and rings out for that five minutes as the big telling blow. And in a round where everything else felt 
relatively level and relatively even, and I'm not going to get into stats because stats are dumb. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they, they don't convey a proper measure of, of a round, but just watching it, right? It's, it's a relatively close round. And for me, the one blow that really stands out is that big right hand that sets Dawa to a couple steps back and makes him do the like, oh, okay, we're, right. we're in a fist fight here. Now I got to get going. It felt to me like Hakeem needed to get cracked a couple of times in that first 90 seconds to two minutes. And if that's the situation and Cub Swanson's landing a couple of good blows in there, that's going to get him the round on my card. Uh, yeah, that, that that's a good good assessment there. I, I went the other way. I had Dawadu winning this round. That that big right hand off the triple jab moves ba- moves him across the cage, basically. Solid, solid uh, moment there. But I thought throughout the round, Dawadu was able to land uh, good shots upstairs, had good leg kicks when, when Swanson was missing. He was somehow finding the legs right away, which I found pretty impressive there. Uh, I thought he went good to all targets. Swanson had the good moments, as you mentioned. Uh, probably the hardest shots of the round, but I do like it for Dawadu. I think he did land with good enough impact, and I thought he landed probably slightly more. So I'm, I'm with Dawadu ten nine. I mean, it's a it's one of those rounds where, and I know people hate this, right? But it's one of those rounds that, depending on where you're sitting around that octagon, and depending on what it looks like from your vantage point, I can a hundred percent see a round like this for either guy. And so, when again to what we were talking about off the top of this. When you look at it and go, hey, super close round, you can't then get upset that judges were different, were, right. were differing opinions because of vantage points and and really subjectivity and preference. Exactly. It, I don't know how you get up in arms about it. Uh, <laughs> three judges cage side were Ron McCarthy and Jacob Montalvo and Sal D'Amato. McCarthy and Montalvo had it for Swanson, uh, as did Scott. Scott was able to see the round somehow and uh, did provide us his scores. So Scott did score this for Swanson. I'm with the out judge, Sal D'Amato. I think, I think we're good there. Yeah. Round two. What do you got? So I had it for Dawadu. And this to me, I think this is the round that we were talking about on, on Twitter a little bit of most people look at it and see it as a Hakeem Dawadu round. Sal D'Amato saw it as a Cub Swanson round and it became the outlier round of like, or not. Yeah. Sal D'Amato saw it as right. a Swanson yeah. round. To me, it's there. there's little moments in this round that swing it to Dawadu for me. It's a lot of that body work. There were a couple instances where it seemed like you really hurt Cub and, and throughout Cub's career. This to me was one of those rounds where you need to know Cub Swanson a little bit to understand what you're seeing. Cause when he gets hit to the body and he gets hurt to the body, there's a little bit of a tell. If you've watched him enough, everybody, the elbows come down a little bit more and they tuck in a little tighter, but Cub will take a couple steps back and just kind of reset a little more and he won't be throwing as much. And we saw that. And to me, that was the tell that, okay, those shots landed hard. Those landed clean. I thought there was more overall impactful striking from Hakeem Dawadu, both in terms of the hands, as you said, in the first round, finishing a lot of combinations with those heavy leg kicks, good kicks to the body. He gets the round for me. All right. I went the other, uh, no, I went the same way. I, I was just, I was just ready to go the other way, but no, I went the same way. Uh, I actually do think this is a pretty close round. Like like you mentioned, Dawadu worked the body well. Uh, you know, definitely definitely uh, had Cub a little bit hurt there. Uh, but I think Dawadu wins this because of his clinch work. At, yep. at at distance, Cub was was landing pretty decently, but in the clinch, Dawadu's landing some good knees. Uh, had a couple storly storly knees mixed in. Um, but for the most part, he's he's landing some pretty solid ones to the body. And uh, I think the thing that swings it right is that exchange at the end of the round where they mm-hmm. just decide 
the hell with it. We're going to throw. And Cub lands some good shots and backs up Dawadu. And so if, again, if we're looking at this and all the way through for four minutes and 30 seconds, we're going, this is pretty tight. And then Cubs wants and lands some big shots towards the end. I can understand. I'm not going to get fired up and be like, there is no possible way. There's a way. Uh, there's definitely a way there. I, 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 those shots that Swanson landed, it appeared Dawadu got maybe a wee bit staggered. Uh, and that could sway things, especially if you're cage side. You see, you know, what, what's going on there? You got a little bit of a better view than us at home. Well, and and that's one of the things when, I'll, when I talk to people about this is like, you don't understand what it sounds like sitting there. The difference is that you hear of the thudding shots and the reactions and the gasp of, you know, when, when one of those blows lands, like it's, you can tell a lot more from the sound of it sitting cage side than you can sitting at home with commentary on where you don't hear the actual, you'll hear some, but there's a bunch that you don't. And it's those ones that you don't, that are often the the blows that change the way rounds are scored. Exactly. Uh, so the judges uh, had it this way. McCarthy and Montalvo were both uh, with Dowdu, and as mentioned, Saldamato was on Swanson. Swanson got the unanimous decision, 29-23 on all, 29-28 on all three cards. One of those unanimous 29-28s where you're hoping they're all the same. But we weren't yeah. there. Especially, yeah. especially Scott and I hoping, but wasn't meant to be. Let's get, uh, let's get back to the main event. Vicente Luque got the unanimous decision win over Rafael Dos Anjos. 49-46 and 48-47 on two cards. Rounds one, three, and five were split. Let's get into it. Round one. So for me, and and this pertains to pretty well every round we're going to talk about today, it's a close round. Yeah. It's a good competitive <laughs> round where you're really kind of splitting hairs and you're really parsing little moments. And to me, RDA just is a little more active. The forward pressure, he's putting it on. Not in a like overwhelming Vicente Luque way, but he's doing the RDA thing where he's hammering home a couple of right hands and then getting in on a takedown. And in a round where, again, same as all of these are going to be, where it's super competitive, it's super close, both guys have their moments, those few, like it's probably three strikes for me that differentiate this. And I didn't do an actual like number tally of what are, what are the blows that really swing this. But it's not much more than that. And so it's a couple of good shots in a couple of spots where I think Luque, as he admitted to afterwards, was just a little bit hesitant out of the gate. I think he built into this fight really nicely. Mm -hmm. But in that opening round, it just felt to me, watching it live and watching it back, that RDA is just a little bit ahead of him. Yeah, RDA started a little bit better. Uh, I agree there. I scored it for RDA as well. Uh, that guillotine attack late helped. Uh, I thought that was pretty solid. Luque was able to escape. And then this is the portion of the round where he escapes and gets RDA in that turtle position. And he starts landing some good shots. You know, the way Fedor got knocked out by Dan Henderson. These these shots are pretty strong. I could totally see someone going for Luque. Close round, but I'm on 100%. RDA. Similar to that second round with, with Cub and Hakeem Dawadu, right? Where you get to those late stages, it's really close. And Luque finishes up with those big, heavy shots. And you go, this is the guy. Mm-hmm. I get it. Makes sense. It's fine. Uh, Junichiro Camillo, Ron McCarthy scored this one for Dos Anjos, and Sal D'Amato was the out judge who scored this one for Luque. Moving on to round three. Yeah, for me, it's for me, it's Luque. And again, and I know I sound probably like a broken record, and people are like, "Thanks for the really sharp analysis, ESK." <laughs> it's just a close, like it's just a close round. They're just all close rounds, and to me. In this middle frame, so in the middle 
three rounds, I felt Luke, that's when Luke was at his best. He warmed into the fight, got into his rhythm a little bit, and it just felt like he's landing. RDA lands some good shots. Every round, Rafael Dos Anjos lands some good shots because he's an absolute stud mm -hmm. and he has been for 13 years. But for me, Luke's just that little bit ahead of him. It's like he had gotten comfortable, figured out his range, did some good work in the clinch, got a couple of opportunities for takedowns. It's just, again, very narrow margins, but Luke, to me, was slightly more effective. You can, for me, it's some of it is, is just watching body language. And it feels like there are more times in that round where you can kind of see Dos Anjos up against the fence and in space, making that like, God, what am I going to do here? Face of like, mm. I just can't quite get away from him. I just can't quite get off the way that I want to. And in a super close round, again, where there's not a lot separating them, feel like Luque did just a little more. Yeah, I feel our, our analysis is, is spot on. I really don't have much to add. I thought Luque edges it because I thought he was getting slightly better reactions. Good success in the clinch. RDA had good good strikes at distance. He had that nice elbow in the clinch. Uh, I just think Luque was slightly better. Really good battle. Almost worth yeah. for work. <laughs> what we got going yeah, on Yeah, like here. it's just, this is why, and, and one, this is why I love your show. Two, it's why the reactions when we have close fights and people go crazy always are just amazing to me because it's like we just watched five minutes of toe-to-toe, -to -toe, tooth and nail, back and forth, and you're upset that we're not all in lockstep. <laughs> That's just, it's not how this works. Like, I would love for every fight, actually, I wouldn't love for every, I was going to say I would love for every fight to be clear and obvious who wins around, but that would be boring. I want competitive fights like this. I want there to be debate and discussion. The odd time that we get a genuine robbery, cool, let's all get the pitchforks and torches <laughs> and go find whoever that is. But like, this is what I want. Give me competitive fights. Yeah, we want competitive fights. And if everyone just realized that the criteria is so subjective, right? that the problem isn't the judge. The problem is the tool they're using. Right. Like if it could be ironed out a little bit better, maybe you would get more unanimity. Yep. But it's not how it is. Uh, so... Scott actually scored that one for Dos Anjos. I That's scored. okay. He's on vacation. <laughs> He's with uh, D'Amato and Camillo. And you and I are with Ron McCarthy for Luque. Also, uh, for round one, Scott had Dos Anjos uh, with us. Right. Round five. I mean, I'm I'm with you and Scott, not to give away the scoring of everybody. <laughs> but, like, it, again, is just another one of those, the reactions, a little bit better offense, a little bit better connections dos anjos is both guys are not quite as sharp as they were early but it's just that little bit of momentum carrying luke he's a little more physical he's landing a little bit cleaner shots a little bit heavier shots for me i mean there's <laughs> i i chuckle because like it's a close round he just does a little bit more and sometimes people that is going to be the answer like if you want me to go fine tooth comb through it. I will do, I will happily do a rewatch on keyboard Kimura and break it down minute by minute, which is one of my favorite things to do. But like, sometimes you just watch these fights and you're like, yeah, that's tight. I lean this guy, but I understand if it's the other way. Yeah. It's one of those rounds. It, it, this is a close round. And before the round, RDA, RDA's corner tells him, listen, get, get your, your, get rested in the first portion of the round so you can go hard the rest of the round. Right. I think he waited too long to go hard because in that last 40 seconds RDA really comes alive 
goes yeah. on the offensive and really does narrow the gap. I just think he allowed Luke to build enough of a lead up until yeah. that point, and Luke held on to it. So that's why I'm on Luke. Uh, Scott's on Luke. You're on Luke. Junichiro Camillo and Ron McCarthy were on Luke. And Sal D'Amato was the out judge uh, for Dos Anjos, which can totally see. Sal D'Amato with an outlier outlier day in in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And that's Saturday. all right. These were close rounds. Oh, it's going to happen. 100%. So. Just, it's interesting that it's each of these rounds that we're talking about. So rounds one and two of of Swanson Dawadu, he's the outlier. And then two of these three rounds that we're talking about for Luke and RDA, he's the outlier. Sal D'Amato is a fantastic judge. Like for everybody that jumps online after these shows and picks whoever it is. And right now it's of late, it's been Sal. A couple of years ago, it was Chris Lee. Like Sal D'Amato is a fantastic judge. Like and you, folks and for need, years you folks need to go and sit down and watch this stuff from, from their vantage point. And honestly, if there's one thing any MMA fan that wants to get on Twitter on fight nights and shout about judging, find a local show. Talk to the promoter, see if you can get as close to cage side as possible and sit there and try to score it. Don't do anything else. Put your phone away. Don't pay attention to anybody. Like try to focus in for that five minutes and score that round and then come back to Twitter and let me know how easy or difficult you found it. Cause it's hard, man. It's difficult being in. I mean, this was the apex. I was going to say a packed arena with people going crazy. This was the apex. It wasn't exactly a packed arena with people going crazy, but it's difficult. Like. We're sitting at home with second screens and maybe third screens and, and give, not these to, guys a, give these guys a break. Also, I want to mention the UFC Apex events, or probably all UFC events, The two of the three judges get put on door panels. So there's an extra pad in their way that they got to navigate around. Maybe. Right. If you watch back a bunch of those last two rounds, you'll see Sal D'Amato constantly doing this one, craning around and nobody can see it because we're just an audio podcast, but craning around a door panel to try to see what he's looking at. It, you would think the the you know the there's five really important six really important you got the commentary team who needs a cl- yep. clear view the three judges need a clear view and the two corners need a clear view the other two panels can go out to other people that that don't have impact on the fight <laughs> right so it's kind of crazy they still stick them on two door panels but moving I may on. have to draw that out one day just to like figure out where the best place for everybody is because I've never I've never actually done it. And I've been and seen it, and obviously we see it on TV all the time. But like, this is where I would place everybody. Mm. That, yeah, that would be nice. To, yeah, if you ever do that, let me know. I like Some, something your... more for me to work on. <laughs> uh, moving on, we got Jacqueline Amarim uh, defeating Montserrat Conejo Ruiz via round three TKOs, elbows, and punches. Um, no debate who won this round. These are just to which degree. Uh, two two rounds from this fight. The first two are one and two. What do you got for round one? I mean, this is the clearest 10-8 I can remember in quite some time. Like, just absolutely no question 10-8 in both round one and round two. I'll just, I'll, I'll yeah, bunch them together. Let's just, yeah, let's just bunch them together. Jacqueline Almarim comes out, puts Montserrat Ruiz on the ground within, I don't know, about 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Dominates from there. She never gets back to her feet. She's landing ground and pound interspersed with chase and submission attempts. I saw this morning as I was prepping, somebody mentioned that Amarim had more submission attempts than Ruiz had significant strikes <laughs> in each of those rounds. And so it's just one of those, like, as I said, like Sean Sheehan tweeted out yesterday after that, after those scorecards came out. Um, so the three officials and you have it there, Janichiro Camillo, Ron McCarthy and Tony Weeks, 
Sean tweeted out MMA judge, MMA judge, boxing ref, which is very much correct. And the thing to me was not only is Tony Weeks a boxing ref, but he's someone who started judging years ago. And so it's kind of, it feels like anchored to that old system of we barely ever give out 10 eights and you got to be near death and don't even talk to me about 10 seven. Cause that's what this feels like. Like this was the clearest set of 10 eights I can remember in quite some time. And for Tony Weeks to just phone in a 10 nine in each round is, is laughable. Yeah. And you- I think these are the two worst scores of the night. Ten <laughs> yes. nine uh, here just is, it. It just feels like, like you said, just we're not eight. Eight's unachievable. It was what it feels like. She, she had domination for nine minutes of these two rounds combined. Good damage, armbar attacks, omoplata attacks, uh, attacks. Uh, she had the uh, the rear naked choke at the end of the first round. I, I think this is just easy. You have all three Ds for each round. Yeah, like to a good degree. You know, even the commentary is talking. Is this a 10-7? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When when there's even the, and like, I don't think it was. I don't think we're no. very often going to get there. But like, I know I said earlier, numbers are stupid and don't always listen to the, don't listen to the strikes landed in that during, during the broadcast. But like to look back at it just as a framework here mm-hmm. for the round, Jacqueline Amarim, 30 of 44 in significant strikes in the first round, four minutes and 14 seconds of control time two submission attempts like compared to one of two significant strikes for Mon- Montserrat Ruiz. Like, I don't understand how you see that sit there watching that and go, I mean, she, she got that one, but it was close. Like, nah, man, this is 10, eight. We just, we just roll. And, and the second round was actually worse. The second round was even more dominant. And yet Tony Weeks was just like, nah, 10, 10, nine. Basically on the verge of being stopped, like 10, 10 more <laughs> seconds. It's over. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just a different round and, and it ought to be scored differently. So, yeah. And that's to what you were saying earlier about like, it's the criteria and it's sort of being restricted by it. That's the thing that I've always thought about. And I know you guys talk about it a lot of like, we see so many 10 nines and they're just so di- like 10 nines can be so different and so disparate in how we get there that like, it feels like we need, it just always to me feels like we need more. We need a better way to do this. And whether that's half point more, it just, cause like you see a 10, nine here and you're like, really, you thought that round was the same as some of these RDA and Swanson Dawadu rounds. Like, come on, Tony Weeks, yeah. do better. You can, yeah. You can fit, you can fit so many different types of rounds currently into, right. into 10, into a 10, nine. And then that, right. that needs to be tightened up. Yeah. There needs to be more available to these officials in order to, cause then it's available to the athletes, right? And ultimately it's about getting to the right result. I think we do most of the time. I understand that there are split decisions and close fights and that's okay. But most of the time we do thankfully get to the right decision, but there needs to be better, better opportunities for clarification and clarity. Yeah, for sure. So uh, judges Camillo and McCarthy had both rounds 10-8 for uh, Amarim and as we mentioned, Tony Weeks was out, uh, the lone 10-9 there. Us three, me, you, and Scott all had it for 10-8. Uh, we only got we got three more rounds to get through. Uh, first one uh, comes from A.J. Dobson uh, defeating Tafan Chukwi uh, via unanimous decision, 29-28 times three, where two of the rounds were split. Another one of those. I uh, love to say it, but <laughs> rounds one and two are the, uh, the splits here. Uh, round one. So for me... It's Tavon Chukwi, and again, I'm I'm going to the same thing I've said throughout all of these 
all of these round reassessments. It's a close round. It's a little bit more power. It's a little bit more impact for me with those leg kicks. Leg kicks, excuse me. Tafon Chukwi is just a gigantic human being. And when he kicks you, it lands a little different. And there were just in a in a round again where it's close and both guys are throwing, both guys are landing at different times. The fact that he's landing with a little bit more impact edges the round ever so slightly in his favor for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm on Chukwi as well. This really was a round of light kicks, uh, and it's evident that Chukwis are landing a lot heavier. Uh, Seems Dobson's just kind of touching. Uh, few have some good steam on them. You know, it's a really close round. Both land body uh, body kicks. Really not many punches landed uh, no. up top for either guy. I do remember a decent jab early from in Chukwi. Um it's the end of the round that makes it interesting, I think. And Chukwi lands the body kick, but he gets it gets caught and he gets swept to the ground. And Dobson lands a couple of strikes there. For me, it didn't sway it over to Dobson, but I think it's a very close round. Yep, agreed. So uh, Scott and I had it for uh, Chukwi. You had it for Chukwi with the outjudge Sal D'Amato. That means it is a couchside override. Meow, 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 meow. Did my best, Scott. Uh, Ron McCarthy and Jacob Montavo scored that one for Dobson. Moving on to round two. I mean, for me, it's it's sort of a, a flip, right? It's Chukwi gets a little bit less active. He's a little bit less effective. And AJ Dobson, again, is kind of warmed into the fight. He's figured out the things that are working for him. He starts mixing it up a little more. He's jabbing to the body. He's throwing the hands a little more. He's landing more to the head. It's not just a kick battle. I think there's another instance where he catches a kick and sort of dumps Tefan Chukwi for a moment. It's just a little bit more effective. It's a little bit greater output it's a little bit greater land rate and and connection rate to me and just Tafon Chukwi not quite doing enough to claw all the way back it's not one of those rounds where there's a bunch of big blows where you're like these three shots are clearly the reason that you have to go AJ Dobson it's a close round where neither guys it's a close fight where neither guys really land in anything big it really was a kickboxing match in space but for me in the second, Dobson does a little bit more, mixes it up a little well. Chukwi isn't throwing as much and landing as much with as much success as he did in the first. So it's AJ Dobson for me. Yeah, I think I think you nailed it right there. I think uh, Chukwi's volume and output is just, is just down a bit this round. And that's really the difference because Dobson uh, continued to land uh, his kicks. Uh, Chukwi did well blocking the punches upstairs and he had some of his kicks here and there. But uh, I do think this is a Dobson round. Uh, 10-9. As do you. As does Scott. As do I. As does Saldamato, the outjudge. That means another couchside override for Saldamato. Meow, 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 meow. And uh, McCarthy and Montalvo had it for Chukwi, which I, I really don't really have any beef with. Uh, it's close, close round, lower output. What can you do? And our final round, the final of 10 rounds. Yasmin Lucindo defeating Poliana Viana via round two submission, arm triangle. Round one is the split round here. What do you got? For me, it was was Yasmin Lucindo. And it's one of those rounds, again, I talked a little bit earlier about body language and sort of reactions. And to me, that's where I see the difference in this one. There's a few spots where Lucindo lands well and clean. And you can just kind of see Pollyanna Viana being like, I don't, I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to <laughs> be in one. Of, I didn't want to get punched in the face. I didn't want to, this 21 year old is all over me and just wants is is happy to stand here and punch me in the face. I think Yasmin Lucindo lands. It's in terms of numbers, in terms of just watching it 
and output and, and overall connections, it's pretty close. And it just comes down to the weight of those blows, the impact of those blows. And for me, as I said, watching some of those reactions, seeing some of how those shots land and the way that Viana turns out or the way that she takes a couple pauses back, that shows me that she's landing, that Lucindo is landing the, the better blows, the heavier, more telling blows. And for me, that gets her the round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Lucindo, she cracked her early with a left. Uh, Vienna does land a, a light kick right after that and then has a, a good flurry. I was like, oh, that's a pretty good flurry, which led right into her getting a takedown. But she did absolutely nothing there. She just got stalemated yeah. pretty much. And they got stood yeah. up. Um, we'll leave the discussion about stand-ups later. But uh, <laughs> uh, I'm happy to have that discussion anytime <laughs> you want. Once they're stood up, uh, Lucindo, you know, gets her own takedown. In that leg drag position, that, that's not a fun place to be, and you can only go one way, which is expose your back. Uh, she landed some good shots to end the round. It's decently close, but I, I do like it for Lucindo as well. As does Scott, uh, Junichiro Camillo, Ron, and Ron McCarthy. Adelaide Bird was the out judge for Vienna. Eh, I can, yeah. I, I can, I can maybe, maybe get an argument there, which I could, I could probably get behind. But I think the better scores for Lucindo. Agreed. Uh, so like we mentioned, we did have quite a few uh, finishes. UFC gave us nine in total, six by TKO, three subs, seven of them in the first round. Bellator had seven finishes, four TKOs, two subs, and four in the first round. Do you have a favorite? So I have two. All right. Always, always. So I've been fortunate to build a little bit of a relationship with Khalil Roundtree Jr. Just speaking to him before all of these fights. So happy to see a guy that I've watched grow and develop in the UFC go out and have a great performance. That left hand is just when he's dialed in and he's throwing, it's it's mm-hmm. scary good. He's so quick with his hands. There were several spots before the knockdown that you could see Chris Dacus be like, kind of similar to the Pollyanna Vienna thing of like, oh man, I got away from the power of Derek Lewis and, and Curtis Blades and Jarzinho, like these great big Goliaths that are hitting me. But now I'm dealing with the speed of this dude. Yeah. And then the left hand came and it was just like, oh, we're done. Yeah, like, this, this we're done over. here. This is, it's over. He's not, we're done. And, and, and Khalil did get cracked with a couple of them too. Yep. Just, just stay composed, man. And as weird as it will sound to say, I'm happy to see him get cracked a couple times and take them mm-hmm. and stay right in that fight. Cause there were points earlier in his career, some of the losses where he wasn't wearing shots. Well, he wasn't taking shots mm-hmm. well and, and responding well. And then the other one for me is just the irony of Spencer Kite lookalike Josh <laughs> Parisian getting submitted by a Kimura for those that don't know. For 15 years or so, anytime I set up a blog anywhere, it is keyboard Kimura. And so when a Spencer Kite lookalike gets submitted by Kimura, that one has to get a shout out as well. Absolutely. I love Kimura's any kind of shoulder lock. I I love them. I love them. It's such a, it's a difficult, you don't see them that much. It's a difficult hold to finish. We had a beautiful Kimura sweep at one point in this, in this event, um, which was great to see. And it's the one submission that your guy, my guy, Jimmy Miller is still, still hunting for in the UFC. Every time I talk to him, he's like, I still haven't hit one in the UFC and I got to get one before I go. Cause it's his move in the gym. It's what he it's his go-to in the gym. And I know he wants one in the octagon. Spoiler alert. That's how Jim Miller subs Islam uh, to win the belt with a Kimura. That's my pick. There we uh, go. My, my favorite sub was uh, Damone Blackshear uh, getting a twister over Jose Johnson. The third twister in the UFC. Uh, great setup, great finish, uh, and a rare, rare thing to see. Just like the Kimura. Fun fact: so. I was in attendance for the first Twister in UFC oh, history. That's awesome. Chan Sung Jung, <laughs> Leonard Garcia out here in Seattle. 
in their rematch they had the they had the donny brook and the wec and everybody was like it's going to be the same doing it again and the zombie just absolutely trucked leonard garcia and then hit a twister and we were sitting on media row and there weren't a lot of us in the key arena now climate change arena and as he was setting it up it was like holy shit is he gonna hit us is he gonna hit a twister like are we gonna find and, and he hit it and it was beautiful and there you go were you able to hear joe rogan going insane no thankfully <laughs> thankfully far enough away that i didn't have to hear Joe Rogan screaming. I haven't, I don't think I've ever watched that fight back either. So I haven't listened to the commentary of it. I just assume he goes bonkers. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. I don't even know if he's, I hope he's on it. Cause then no, that would sound stupid if, if he wasn't. He was on it. It, it was back in the Goldberg Rogan days. <laughs> uh, so I think that wraps up UFC Vegas 78. Uh, again, this weekend coming up, we got two events. We have PFL on Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern main card. And then we have uh, UFC 90, uh, 293 Saturday night at you know 10 p.m. Uh, 10 p.m. main card. It's a pay-per-view. Uh, PFL 8 looks like it's the heavyweights and women's featherweight semifinals. Uh, heavyweights Heenan Fajera versus Maurice Green. And Dennis Goltzall versus Jordan Heiderman. Any interest in these fights? I mean, not a ton in the heavyweights. Jordan Heiderman looked okay on the Ultimate Fighter. Um, Mo Green, you know, crochet boss, always... <laughs> always always a name to remember that that rings out that you remember but not really okay and then, then the women the women's side i'm a little more interested larissa pacheco has looked very good throughout her time in the pfl obviously beating kayla harrison last year and, mm -hmm. and amber Lebrock can can crack she can also get cracked but she can crack when she wants to and so i'd watch i'd watch both of those fights okay so yeah we got pacheco versus uh elena kolesnik and then marina Maknakina. Versus Amber Lebrock uh, for the women's featherweight semis. It's going to be in New York, I believe. Is it in New York? The 18th? Yeah, New York. They have two events there. New York is going to have uh, the 18th and the following Wednesday they have another one. Um, but moving on to the uh, what I'm looking forward to this weekend. UFC 293 on Saturday night. Sean O'Malley versus Aljamain Sterling for the 135-pound title. I think this is going to be a good one. I still believe the the most uh, the best part of that stare down in Newark was me, Rob, putting on the jacket. And I hope me a hundred percent. So uh, I, I don't have any picks yet, but I am excited for a fight here. Yeah, this is this is a really good card. I'm going to be that nerdy stickler, dude. It is two ninety two. Two ninety three is in Sydney. Oh, it's not two ninety two. Just to keep oh. every just to keep everybody on point, so they're not wondering what the hell you're talking My about. My bad. My bad. That, that, that main event is amazing because <laughs> it's it's going to answer so many questions about Sean O'Malley that still linger for mm -hmm. me. Um, Love the co-main event. Always happy to see Zhang Weili compete. And then there's just a whole bunch of stuff throughout the rest of the card that I'm looking forward to. I know there will be people this week that do the like, oh, cool, the ultimate fighter finales, <laughs> as if no one cares. But like, it's been a good season. It's oh, been entertaining. So the second one will be on there. They just haven't the released it. The second one will be on there. Okay. They just haven't released it. The gotcha. episode airs on Tuesday. Um, yeah, we'll get okay. we'll get that Bantamweight fight, Brad Katona and as of right now, to be announced. All right. Either Cody Gibson or Rico DeShulo. Yeah, so some some of those other fights are, you got Marlon Vera versus Pedro Munoz at 135. That should be pretty fun. Uh, Neil Magny versus Ian Gary, a big test for Gary there at 170. Then we got GM3 versus Andre Petrosky. This is this is a fight up. This is probably one of my sleepers. I was going to say, I, so. I, know you, I know you put this together because that <laughs> grappling match is on there. I'm very much looking forward to it as well. I'm sure there will be people that look at both of us and are like, Really middling middleweights is you're, you're really interested in it. Andre Petrosky's looked good. 4-0 in the UFC. GM3 is always a tough out. 
my hope is that we just get a grappling match. Yeah. I'm, like I'm, get in the octagon and, and have a no gi grappling match. Let's go. Let's go. Um, Chris Weidman makes his, uh, long awaited return. I believe almost over two years out, right. With broken leg. Yeah. Uh, and he's not getting an easy test on his, on his return at all. Super tough Brad Tavares. And then you added a couple, uh, couple fights here. I added, I added Silva mania to open the card. Okay. Karina Silva against Marina Morose. Uh, rematch. They fought a bunch of years ago. Marina Morose won by armbar in the opening round. Karina Silva has looked outstanding in two fights so far in the UFC. The knee bar on Ketlin Souza last time out was grisly and awesome at the same time. And then Natalia Silva and Andrea Lee. I think Natalia Silva is the goods. I think she is going to be a contender at flyweight here. Uh, probably starting after this fight. I have a feeling this is going to be the fight where people go, okay, now I really got to pay attention. Her debut win over Jasmine Jazz Davisius has continued to age really well as Jazz has gone out and had some success. Wild to me, the Jazz is ranked and Natalia Silva isn't. Rankings are rankings, similar mm -hmm. to the stats and the and the striking <laughs> stats during broadcasts. But I think both of these fights will be really great to open up the show. Yeah, I, I think I think we're gonna have a uh, a good card. Any pick that you think Scott and I will be discussing? Any fight? Ooh, that most likely um, to give us a contested round. I mean, any fight involving Marlon Vera has the possibility mm -hmm. to produce a contested round because he's such a low output, high impact striker. Um, I can see some of the rounds depending on how they go gm3 and andre petrosky providing some yeah some close <laughs> rounds like just right real tooth and nail grappling somebody lands four strikes somebody lands five strikes which are the better strikes <laughs> i can also see quite honestly i can see the main event being one of those fights again because okay. aljo's just allergic to being in clear fights like <laughs> he goes out and does his thing but for whatever reason people sit there and watch it and are like this is competitive and yeah. so it wouldn't surprise me if we get a couple rounds from them that are similar to the opening round of his second fight with Piotr Jan, where it's really close. And if O'Malley's, especially if O'Malley's able to keep it standing for some time, I think they could have some, mm -hmm. some real competitive rounds. That could be interesting there. All right, Spencer, thank you so much for, for joining us, filling in for Scott. It's a great time. Everyone that's listening, you can, can get Spencer's content, you know, the UFC.com and also the keyboard Kamara. Puts out content all the time. My favorite is always the Friday. You know, the punch drunk picks and, and then the betting show. The the double play on Friday. It's a, it's a good I will be spend. back to it this week. It's it's too good of a card for me to be like, no, I need to make sure that I'm taking care of my mm. mental health and my physical health and not <laughs> overworking myself. I'm going to overwork myself this week because it's too good of a card to not jump in and, and have some fun. So I will be back there. SpencerKite.substack.com. Thank you very much. And you can you can find him on Twitter as well. EspencerKite. You're on Instagram as well? I am at Spencer Kite on both. Oh, at Spencer Kite. Okay. I post all of my stuff. I shamelessly send out everything that I do because that's what we have to do these days nice. in this media world. <laughs> all right. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Couchside Judges. Thanks again to Spencer Kite for joining us. We'll be uh, back again next Monday. Scott will be back from Seattle. He did get me a Funko Pop to add to my collection. So, good guy, Scott Fontana. Thanks again, Spencer. Thanks for listening. <laughs>